Welcome in to episode 21 of The Bluest Tape. I am Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Colas. And welcome in. Thanks for joining us to as we take this trip through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Appreciate everybody's support and feedback through the weeks. Um, last week, we... Uh, during episode 20, we uh, we sort of looked back at uh, some of my favorite um, moments um, of, pan- of of Michael Hauser and Widespread Panic. And um, as we celebrate the uh, 15th anniversary of his passing, and um, we're not going to dwell too much on the sadness, we're going to focus on the music and the, and the joy that he brought. So... Last week were my picks. I got to talk on and on and, you know, uh, fill everybody's speakers uh, with my uh, my choices. And so this week, I'm going to pass the baton off to you, my partner, Jeff. <laughs> well, thank you, Harvey. Um, so we're going to start off pretty simply and just say this is the first we're going to play the first note of the first widespread panic show that i ever saw and that was october 25th 1996 at the barrymore in madison um college freshman and living in the dorms had a whole pile of all i was this almond brothers were really my band in Mm -hmm. 1996 so a whole pile of Almond Brothers tapes, some dead tapes, a little bit of panic, but not a lot. And I remember moving in and some guy down the hall had Fillmore East on full blast and walked down the hall and introduced myself and he had a bunch of tapes and he had two I just had a simple little, you know, dual dual cassette deck. He had two single oh, cassette decks. Whoa, wow. I was like, This guy's serious. That is super serious. And uh I'll, Tip of tip of a cap to my good friend Jesse, and um, and so became friends with uh, Jesse and his roommate Ross. And you know September comes around, and he said, "Yeah, we're going to see Widespread Panic down in Madison." And I'm from Madison, so or outside of Madison, so I figured it was a good excuse to go home. And I said, "Sure, I'll go along." So I actually called my mom, and my mom went and got me tickets to my first Widespread Panic show. Way to go, Bar- Mrs. K. At the Barrymore, and. The Barrymore wasn't in the Ticketmaster, and they still, I don't think they still are in the Ticketmaster network, so you actually had to go to either the Barrymore box office, or you could get them at the Willie Street Co-op, or record stores, or there was a Bongo Video, this video store that was on uh, right by the uh, theater, you could get them there. Hmm. And so she went and got me the tickets, and there were these cool sort of, they're different color paper for each night. And so got a ride with Jesse and these two other guys, Joe and Mike, and Joe and Mike and Jesse were all, all had long hair and two of them had beards and I was still pretty, I was very, you know, I've never had long hair, but pretty clean cut, pretty clean cut. And so I just remember them like rolling into my driveway, you know, on a Friday night when my parents are expecting us to come home and, you know, get out of the car and introduce them to my friends. And they're all these hippie guys sort of like I'd been at school for you know a month and a half at that point (laughs) (laughs) so that was fast um but anyway went to the show and and this sort of also starts a trend that 
I've always enjoyed. It's always it's fun going to shows by you know with other people. But I always like I like going to shows by myself too, just because I can wander around and. And you're, not, you're not pinned down. Not, like, not you know, pinned you don't have down. to worry about what anybody else is doing. No, just, you know, and especially right. at a place like the Barrymore where there's this rush of people that always go up front. And for those of you that haven't been to the Barrymore, the Barrymore is an old movie theater. Yes, it was an adult cinema at one point in time. It was called <laughs> the Eastwood Theater. Um, it always had, as Jamie Syrick once pointed out, it always had this vague, vague smell of buttered popcorn, which he always found really disconcerting, <laughs> which I thought was always makes me laugh when I think about it. Um, it had these little twinkly lights in the ceiling. It had a balcony, but it was a small balcony. The majority, like two-thirds of the crowd was on the floor. Um, but the cool thing about the Barrymore, right by the soundboard, there's a hump in the floor. So if you, stay, if you get a seat in the row where there's a hump, you're about a foot and a half taller than everybody else mm-hmm. so you can see over everybody you can see to the stage and i discovered that at that show and always sat in the same place for every other show that i went to i think i've been to at, at the barrymore since then um and this is 96 fall 96 obviously panic was you know was a, a deal but necessarily call them a big deal especially not in madison um but everything was just out. The board was just out. There wasn't security tape or, or barricades around the board. The board's just smack dab in the middle of the theater. Mm. So you can sit behind the board and sit behind the guys working the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat at, uh, on the hump behind them, sort of DFC, and just remember the lights came down and you know the little fog machine stuff started up and they as you'll hear on this on this show on 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 this segment the first thing that hauser plays the first thing i ever hear is the first thing that when i listen to it and today i listen to it again today it's like it just takes me back but also it's just like this is why like i was after 15 seconds of this first song i was i was done Hooked. I was done. It was just like, this is, and then all the other stuff that comes along with it too. It's like, why does that guy stand up and he doesn't move? That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. And then of course he sits down and is like, why didn't you sit down the whole time? Um, but this whole show is, is just fantastic. And again, this is a theme. You guys are probably sick of me saying this, but when you don't, I did not know panic that well when I saw this show, but when they come out and they cover Mr. Soul, do what you like and low spark, it's like, okay. I can relate to this band. Um, and so this is one of the, it's again, my first show, one of my favorite shows, a great show from fall 96, which is an all time tour in my opinion. And we'll get started right now with the very, the very first notes, the cross, uh, to, to enter into Jeff's ears on October 25th, 1996. Hello. Thank you very much.
1996 from the Barrymore Theater in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, the very first, you heard the very first notes from this band that uh, crossed the path of Jeff Colath. So um, I'm surprised looking back, I think it was, I think I noted that it was one of only three Pilgrims openers ever. Mm. Um really seems like a song that is more it would be cut out for an opener and it plays really well as an opener uh but for whatever reason they it just wasn't wasn't very common and um and also the first time that we played uh the talking heads pop a leg ball on this uh, podcast it's just you know obviously being in the history business and just being a nerd in general i love counterfactuals but um <laughs> What if the, what if they hadn't opened with Pilgrims that night? Would we be would we be in conversation mm. right now? It's wow. a, it's a very like what if they would have opened with Send Your Mind, which they played later in the set, and swapped Pilgrims or not played Pilgrims? It might yeah totally different experience. I think this is such a brilliant opener. Again, the tapes from this night are really good, and I know there's a couple sources kicking around. The one I had on analog i was i which i don't remember what it is but it was i always thought it was the best one um i just love it when there's these little swells that mikey plays while jb is is talking and then he starts playing the opening riff and then there's there's just like this you know recognition of the song and a few little cheers but that's how the barrymore is Mm -hmm. like you it's just it's this it's a it's a theater it's a it's a good size like i said uh, last episode it's about 970 seats give or take um but it's it's a you can hear you can hear the deep the sound is really crystal clear in that space when when it's mixed well but you can hear the little details and i think the tapes from this night really pick that up pretty well so um it's a great show second first set closes really strong with heroes a of d c brown mr soul um our good friend tie your shoes in the second set into do what you like um, a really nice raise the roof, um, which I thought about doing the raise the roof fish water. Um, and again, being the first show, I thought drums was the greatest thing that I, you know, ever. Oh yeah. Drums. Amazing. <laughs> the, the girls like drums too. That oh was yeah. One of the things, but. Um, and then the, which was the only walk and reprise for a long time. The first walk and reprise into low spark, uh, for the encore. So a great show. And then the next night, um, you know, kind of the same thing. Got there early, got my spot on on the hump behind the soundboard, um, and that shows. You know, it's a, it's not as good as the first night, but it's still a pretty solid show. The Mercy Floozy at the end of the first set's really great, and then uh, Freddie Jones, Freddie Jones Band shows back up. Rob Bonacorsi hey. shows up on slide for Chili and Blackout, and um, again, I thought you know, J making JB exclaim Rob Bana. Uh, at the end of the show um but it's a it was a good two-night stand and they had played at the barrymore a couple times before once opening for blues traveler once as headliners and then they did two more shows um in fall of 98 which maybe we'll get to at some point because i think that's the the first night of that run is when i can trace to my hearing damage so that's a fun that's a fun that's a fun story too fun story Um, for the kids a fun story for the kids it's a lesson so Anyways, um, we're going to jump ahead to a segment that is not a show that either of us are at, but I, I've all, I, I love this show. Um, I will say it's probably one of the more 
disputed shows maybe ever in terms of your taste. Um, when I was in graduate school, I met some had some friends in Indianapolis, and one of the guys was there, and he said it was the least his least favorite show of all time. Mm-hmm. Said it was terrible. And then I actually got the tape and I listened to it, and I was like, "What are you talking about? This show's really, really pretty." If nothing else, it's entertaining. Um, and I think why we chose it is because of Hauser's role in trying to hold things together on a night when things clearly did not want to be held together. Wouldn't you agree, Harvey? <laughs> so um, it's, it's pretty rare that we would would disagree on the podcast. I don't know that we have, we have uh, diverged many times. And I'll agree that... The, the, the show is certainly entertaining and and I will listen to it again but for the most part the second set is an utter disaster <laughs> and I mean the part that we're going to play is is really pretty good and it's especially just interesting hearing hearing Mikey's part but the, the latter part of the second set is there I mean it's just <laughs> I don't know so I mean there are there are um, stories, urban myths about this show that, you know, maybe um, some jokester from Santa Cruz, like, put something in the boys, you know, Budweiser's at set break or something. Um, but it seems like Sonny is completely out of his mind. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that dirt, like, the the galleon he starts like chanting something and Dave, then Dave let's jam a lot to jam <laughs> something like that and then like play you know then he starts like playing like the super loud drum like right in the middle of galleon <laughs> <laughs> and then um and then late and then last straw like they just basically stop before the very last jam part and just sort of like do like just kind of fiddle their way into Greta and I'm pretty certain that that he either leaves the stage or they completely turn his mic off because you don't hear him at all during Greta or me and the devil um that was as far as I got I didn't hear the listen to the end of the second set but I mean it was clear like you know how at the beginning of me and the devil when when JB talks about um you know knocks on your door and it's like clockwork that you get the wood block no wood block tonight (laughs) (laughs) and i would think yeah so i don't know maybe he like passed out on the drums i'm not sure but um anyway those uh, are not sections that we're playing tonight but i I would encourage you if you haven't heard the show to listen to you know the parts after we play because it certainly gets interesting uh in the middle of the second set all right so after that uh auspicious introduction uh let's jump into the infamous show march 26 1997 santa cruz california the start of the second set but had a nice little rest period there
for a long time. Santa Cruz has always been good to us. Thank you very much.
coming to the words on their window. Grace and that breakfast, making it warm, keeping it warm, warm a little longer.
All right, March 26th, 1997, Santa Cruz, California, the Civic Center. Start of the second set. Airplane into diner. And despite your comments leading into this segment, I will say, <laughs> if it, if whatever that, that whatever was going on, they still found a way to play a 14-minute diner, and, or 14-minute airplane in an 18-minute diner, um, this show. And totally hear what you're saying about the rest of the second set being a bit of a mess. It is. Um, I still enjoy the show. Not everybody's oh, yeah. going to be on. But I will say that the transition between airplane and diner is probably the thing that made me pick this. Um, and again, I think we were talking about it the other day, or you brought it up the other day, is is the reason why it's held, the reason why it is the way that it is because of Mikey or in spite of Mikey? Right. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Not um, sure. But there's that, but you know, the rest of the band seems to be going into diner and Mikey keeps playing over the top of it. But what he plays is, I love what he plays there. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I counted four times that Todd tries to drop into the diner start that does, and then it doesn't happen. So it was like, yeah, four times between 10 minute mark and the 13 minute mark that Todd tries to get, get him going and it never happens. And then finally at 14 minutes, they go into diner and I, I mean, I'm still like I, Mikey's still pretty much playing the same thing. <laughs> the rest of, and it, it essentially takes until like JB starts singing uh-huh. the first verse of diner. And then he, then he's like, Oh, okay. I guess we're playing diner. Now. <laughs> but it is, now, it is a, it is a unique moment and, and I enjoy it. I mean, cause it is cool. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's definitely different. Well, again, I think I, you know, I, I I've list, I listened to this show off and on, and because of the sort of the sunny-related comedy that's involved, but really because of that airplane diner transition, which I just, even if it's not the way it was supposed to be, I think it's re- really an interesting piece. Um, and again, I really love Mikey's licks there. So, so and then this may be a, a statement on, on Sunny's condition, but this was a... Um a drum free show. Yes. And you know, at, at a point where the band was playing drums every night, do, do you want to venture a guess on the number of shows, um, after this show up until, you know, through 2002, um, where it was a, you know, a regular night, two sets where the band didn't play drums. Do you want to guess how many of those shows there were after this one? I want to say less than three one <laughs> what was that one august 20th of 2000 oh, yeah. which was the last yep. show of the tour um yep. it was one of those colorado uh event shows yeah i mean it was a full two-set show and they just didn't play drums but i think this one was a a conscious decision <laughs> that either they needed to get off the stage <laughs> as quickly as possible or because they were basically at one drummer instead of two they decided that maybe you know just a todd solo wasn't gonna wasn't gonna cut it Um, but um well you know again say what you want about that show the next night in reno though killed it that show is fantastic from start to finish 327 Um, yeah no and you wonder if the opener of that show wasn't a a statement on the night before (laughs) opening up with please and let's get down to business (laughs) All right, so we can move to my last choice uh, of the, for this week, but not the last section of music we're going to play. And 
pick another show that I was lucky enough to attend um, from, and again, you can send your, uh, you can uh, send your, your, I wouldn't say your hate mail, but your letters of disagreement to us at, uh, through the website or the Twitter or the uh, Facebook. But what I, what I will call the last great panic tour, and that is fall of 2000. Um, and we played some stuff from summer of 2000 before, um, I don't particularly think that's the strongest tour ever, um, but I think fall of 2000 is really where they made up a lot of ground and played some really brilliant shows. And obviously, the Halloween run there is pretty legendary. There's some other good shows that are sprinkled throughout. Obviously, the set, the the uh, tour closer in Carbondale, um, which was you know Panic thought highly enough to put out as a as an official release. The very first, uh, very first official, official release. archive release. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean that show is fantastic, and I was lucky enough to be at that one too. But I will say that the show that I probably go to a lot, probably more than a lot of others, is this show. This is from. Uh, they, they closed out the tour with a four-night run of, of, of college campuses, um, November 28th in Bloomington at IU, and then this show, November 29th at the University of Illinois in Champaign, uh, the 30th in Murray, Kentucky, or sorry, Murrah, Kentucky, and then uh, um, December 1st uh, at SIU in Carbondale. And this show in Champaign is really good from start to finish, and the section I chose is at the beginning of the second set, and it's a sandbox opener, and we've played, we've waxed poetic about sandbox before, and 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 this version is really strong. The tapes this night sound really good. There's a bit of a funky PA thing that happens um, during sandbox, um, but it's a great it's a great version of of, of this of, of this song, and this whole second set actually is 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 pretty great and. You know, Assembly Hall at, at, at University of Illinois is a is a you know mid to late '60s piece of architecture, so it looks like a giant flying saucer kind of popping up out of the cornfields in a, in Champaign. But it was they basically had, they put a giant curtain at about three almost three quarters of the way on the basketball court, and. Um, so there was a small floor scene, maybe it's two thirds, but small little floor scene. Um, and then a lot of people up in the crowds and it was maybe half full, half full to two thirds full. It was in the middle of the week. Um, it would have been a Wednesday night actually. Um, since the, uh, Carbondale show was on a Friday and this was, and it, how does it tie in with the show from the Barrymore? Because one of the guys that I rode with to the Barrymore show, I actually saw at the Champagne show. Random. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a really good show, and I don't think it gets enough attention because of the Carbondale show, which kind of sucks a lot of the air out of the room, and, and rightly so in some ways. But this is a great, great show. I think it's one of – it's some – really you're talking about the different styles of, of of hauser and i think this is a really good example of it in this section so let's get it started Right down 
November 29th in the year 2000 from the Assembly Hall at the University of Illinois in Champaign, Illinois. You heard the start of the second set, Sandbox Driving Song, Into Breathing Slow, Into B of D. Um, pretty strong uh, start of the second set there for sure, Jeff. Yeah, and back-to-back instrumentals, um, uh, uh, uncut, unsplit driving. Post drums in this show is pretty fantastic. Hatfield, Bowlegged, and Conrad. The the rap in Hatfield is like extensively long, um, and very entertaining, if I recall. Um, and first set's really good too. Um, got a nice Holden, nice Ride Me High. Uh, pretty strong imitation leather shoes closer. So this is this is one of my favorite shows. Um, and again, just sort of I was thinking about thinking about it earlier today. Be- 17 years ago um there were people that had cell phones i was not one of them so i used to when i when i was going and i went to this show by myself that's shocking i know right um you could say that up until 2006 seven maybe i didn't i can't remember anyways um i went to the show by myself because i was in grad school in indianapolis at the time and i remember i drove to champagne and the first thing i did when i got to town is i found a payphone and, and used and used a calling card and called of somebody, <laughs> which I continued on for I think a little while after that, which was pretty awesome. Um, and I didn't go the night before; was at IU, and I couldn't make that show because I had skipped class the week before to go to the Louisville show, um, which is where you and I first met, Harvey. Yeah, if you recall. Oh, I do. Uh, um. And uh, the IU show is good, you know. I don't. Th- it's not as good as the next night, I don't think. But the set list is pretty great. And then the Murrah show um, was the one I remember was getting ready to, because that was on a Thursday night, and I was going to leave pretty early the next day to get to Carbondale because it was about five hours from Indy, maybe a little bit more. It was supposed to snow, which it did snow um, on the way there and on the way back. And so I was in my in my apartment waiting for the set list to come across and the set list came across and I remember just going yes because they literally <laughs> played nothing I wanted to hear the next uh-huh. night <laughs> except for you know a couple of th- but of course they did do magic the only magic bus uh, that night right. and knocking around the zoo but I remember thinking after I saw that set list like alright tomorrow night it's going to be on and it was so that was um, a great way to end that fall tour. But that's a great little, and I think it might be one of the final sort of four, four shows, four nights, in four separate places. Um, and it's great that they played in all arenas or all college campuses. They didn't play in the arena at IU. They played at the auditorium. So, anyways, yeah. nice, nice long sandbox. Yes. You know, uh, and um, and definitely the the unsplit driving, um, definitely a rarity. Mm-hmm. And. Um, it's just it's such a nice nice change of pace you know you're expecting something there and you just get the self-contained and and the breathing slow and a night a really nice segue into bfd uh, out of breathing slow so good choice jeff thank you and then actually you know they did then another another show that we saw together that deer creek show that next summer they encored with driving slow and driving driving slow driving, driving slow that's what they uh, you just came up with a new term for <laughs> an unsplit driving with the breathing slow it's, <laughs> it's a driving slow um, we were i was definitely driving slow coming into uh noble noblesville with the end of the world storm <laughs> yeah that coming. Was- that's a, that we should tell that story sometime that's a yeah. that, that 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 was something else 
Um, anyway, so those are my picks, but Harvey, you picked a couple, couple rarities from, or three rarities from the, uh, from the Hauser Hauser collection that I think you should tell the folks about right now. Yeah. So uh, last week we kicked things off with um, the Pilgrims from uh, the Mikey and Me. Uh, recording from 1992 and um, so this last little uh, section we are going to play um, another song from that and which which follows which is followed by a, some really cool uh, interaction just recording some banter uh, between JB and Mikey talking about uh, you know the song they had just played which I thought was really cool sort of um, glimpse into um, into their interaction and then uh, a song from uh, severe driving problems from 1989 which is also jb and mikey and then uh, and then closing things out with a song from uh, the 1995 demo which i had actually never even heard before so um we'll play these three songs and then we'll uh, come back and talk a little bit about it and wrap things up on uh episode 21 of the bluest tape
Because with two people, you can really take time for each other. Oh, well, man, that last one in that jam. <laughs> really took time for each other. Oh, yeah. Well, man, in that jam, you start slowing down and I start oh. slowing down. Oh, I thought you were slowing down. No. You're <laughs> slowing down. <laughs> I was like, wow, well, that's really odd. Uh, see, but yeah, but you can be attentive to yeah, yeah. just only one outside influence. It's like when we played at that radio station in... Menu in the southwest somewhere. Remember when we went over to that place in the desert? <laughs> oh, and sure. we played. We played good there, man. We did Space Wrangler and took it out of time and brought it back. You know? Oh man, because uh, I jumped in on your lead and stuff. Oh well, it didn't matter there, yeah, because we had no beat to follow, <laughs> so we made our own.
street and started to run. I turned a corner and met a man unloading a gun. I gave him money, he took me to a room across town. I was excited, the drummer he was counting Start from the last couple lines of the chorus. You ready?
gotta try that again. Song of Try Song of Try Song of Try Song of Try yeah. I lived in love and hit the street again. Three selections there, um, three Michael Hauser songs, starting off with a uh, dem the, from the Mikey and Me demo, uh, picking up the pieces, then with a little conversation at the end of it. Um, the really fantastic uh, Severe Driving Problems show from 1989. Um, if you haven't heard that whole show, be sure to check it out. The brilliant stuff. Um, country Sex Song. And then the, the, the final selection, and... I, you know, I pick, I will admit, I picked the shows, uh, the the live selections, but this is this is probably my favorite thing on this episode, at least this week, <laughs> is uh, uh, from 1995. Um, I think it's the date is like August 95, maybe. So um, in between summer and fall tour, uh, just a couple of weeks, just a, a little less than a month, a few weeks before fall tour gets started. Um, some studio demos and there's some other things in there, but this is definitely the, uh, the pick of the litter and can't say I can, I can't say much for the title, but it's a fun song. Humpy Galumpy. Um, uh -huh. 
and it, we'll, we'll, we'll close it out. So, Harvey, got any additional thoughts on these three? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really cool. To hear. I mean, the picking is, is good, but really the, the my favorite part is just to hear JB and JB especially talking about how they kind of like went out there and, you know, came back, came back in at the end of the picking. And, um, I thought that was cool. And, uh, and country sex song is one of my favorite Mikey originals. And in some ways, I mean, it's great that they were, they were, that he released it on a, on that sandbox record, but, um, I always loved it cause it was sort of his hidden gem from the dr- severe driving problems. And, uh, I just yeah, love the lyrics to that song. And, um, and then Humpy Galumpy, which, I mean, I, I had honestly never heard until I started doing research for this episode. And I was looking through Panic Stream to, um, I was looking for the Mikey and Me stuff. And then, like, seeing if there were other sort of, like, you know, un- demo or unreleased things that might be kind of interesting. And um, happened, happened upon this. And, um, which is such a, like, a neat, I mean, just like a, treasure you know i mean like i didn't think i would ever hear a new or michael hauser original again mm-hmm. and i did and i mean i'm sure i'm sure some folks that are listening to this have heard it before and um so you know but if you haven't <laughs> i hope that that was kind of a cool you know little treat for you too and um on the mikey and me this song is actually listed this track four as JB Jam, and it's just the instrumental part of Humpy Galumpy. And so I don't think it's JB, I think it's Mikey's jam. It's his song, and then he, at some point later, between summer of 92 and the fall of 95, uh, put some words to it. And um, yeah, in some ways, I'm sort of disappointed that, th- that this song never saw the light of the de- light of day uh, in a live setting. Because it was, I think there's there's some cool stuff. I mean, it, it's sort of a quintessential Mikey song with kind of you know lyrical style and and musical style, and you know it, I think it could in some ways been sort of a vehicle for you know it could have been something <laughs> could have been a contender. Um, so yeah, any do you have any thoughts on those? Uh, no, I mean I just I think that there's there's so much there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, again, it's hard to believe that it's been 15 years since Mikey left us, but there's a good 16 or so years, um, uh, of catalog there to, to, um, uh, to, get, to draw from. To draw from. And I think that there's, you know, we, I think we found some fun stuff over the last, over the last couple weeks. And uh, it's also a kind of a reminder of how much more there would have been to come, too. Um, had Mikey, um, if Mikey were still around, or had he been around a little bit longer, or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I think it's still a good time to raise a glass to, to Mr. Hauser and, and appreciate all of his great contributions and, and of course, his role in uh, making making widespread panic what it was. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that, that's, that struck me, you know, shortly after he passed and, and continues to, and it sort of ties into um, a running theme for our show, which is, you know, to thank, to thank the tapers and really just, like, how lucky we are to have this... Um, seemingly endless supply of recorded music you know that that a lot of times you have uh, guys that you know men and women musicians who who were taken taken sooner than 
than they should have been. And, you know, you have a handful of albums and maybe some, some outtakes and maybe a couple live recordings and then that's it. And we're lucky enough to have, you know, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of live music and different style, you know, different takes on things and unique approaches to songs. And, um, that's, uh, much like, you know, what we talked about with Jerry a couple of weeks ago. I think that's really something that we should, uh, consider, consider ourselves lucky that we have that. And, and certainly, uh, much, much love and, and props to the, to the guys that, that lug the equipment around to record it. But, um, thanks also to the band for, for supporting that and, and, uh, embracing that, that culture. All right. So we'll close out this episode, episode 21 of, uh, the bluest tape. Thank you all for, for checking in and, and coming back to, um, coming back hopefully again to, to, to listen to listen to this music and, uh, we'll see you again very soon. Harvey got anything to close it out with? Uh, no, just, you know, uh, go to the website, bluestape.com. Um, all the links there on the top of the page, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and, um, send us email give us feedback if you have any thoughts or suggestions or questions or you know uh, anything like that subscribe in itunes review us in itunes that helps folks um, find the podcast and um, if you want to help support the show help us keep the lights on um, there's a there's a donate button there on the website on the right any any every little bit helps and uh, we'd appreciate any of that so um Again, thanks to uh, the Tapers, thanks to Panic Stream, thanks to Everyday Companion, and thanks to you for listening.